Would you turn in your Bible, please, to Isaiah 54? Isaiah 54. Sounds like I'm calling bingo. <laughs> ah. uh, this, <clears throat> this time in the Word today, admittedly, is more of a, a prophetic directive for this moment than, um, than anything else. And I, I feel like it is something that God has asked of us today. And I, I believe that it is truly a prophetic um, commissioning, something that we're going to part, partner with the Lord in. And um, I, I recognize that this is the first Sunday of the month, and for many, many years we have, we have offered ourselves on the first Sunday to pray in regard to the parats of the Lord. And when we first started to study about parats and parats, um, we recognize that it was something that God used for the advancement of his kingdom, but it was also something that was indicative of our partnership with him. And for those of you who by some chance don't recall what those terms are, Peretz is the term that is used to speak about when God looked for someone to stand in the gap and to make up the hedge. And Peretz in the Old Testament was always that capacity wherein we uh, accept what God has asked us to do and we stand there and are faithful in it. Um, that concept of Peretz extended well into the New Testament where God taught to us a lot about our cross that we accept as a we, we become born again, we are redeemed to the Father, we take up our cross then and follow wherever he leads us to establish his kingdom. And when we establish that cross, we are stating there that we're standing with Jesus and that all of the things that Christ paid for at the cross in the esteme are paid for. It's like a stake of ownership. That's what the cross is when we carry it. It's certainly not simply a piece of jewelry. It's not some kind of a thing that we bandish, brandish about to ward off evil. It's not some superstitious thing that we hang like a, a scarecrow of evil uh, on our front dash to keep bad things away. And it's certainly not something that we carry to, um, to state, oh, I'm just suffering for Jesus because there was only one valid sacrifice on that cross, and that was Christ. There's no need of anybody else crawling up on one. It would be pointless. It would not be effective, and it would certainly not be in God's plan. So when we take up our cross and follow him, and God says, if you don't do that, he has no pleasure in us, um, we are stating that we belong to the Lord. We're representing what he did at Calvary. And we are, we are laying claim 
to whatever it is that is in the place where he has called us to obey and stand. So, so you see in the Old Testament the Peretz, that standing in the gap, that obeying God and being faithful where he called us is really a principle that is that is absolutely triumphed in the New Testament through the cross. And so Peretz is something that God searches for. He searches for our willingness, our obedience, our acceptance of what he's called us to do, no matter how challenging it may be, no matter how exasperating at times, we say we will have that sense of identity and purpose and we'll stand. That's Peretz. And um, the beauty then is that when you see parats, that's the next phase. It is breakthrough. The passage that so many evangelists preach about the breaker anointing, the breaker will come and he'll lead and his name is the Lord, that's, that's a parats. And it, it only happens on behalf of a people who've been standing. Now, let me say one more thing about this concept, and that is that if you look at it in a, in a linguistic study, you find that parats is really the beginning point. Breakthrough is really the beginning point. And parets then comes after. Parets comes out of parats. Well, how can that be with what we're talking about? Well, it's not one step, two step. It's one, two, one, two, one, two. It's a march. And none of us would be taking a stand anywhere if it had not been for the Lord already breaking through and making the place for us to then stand and thrive in him. And once you break through, then somebody's got to take a stand again. There's got to be a... Um, when, when any army breaks through, they don't just kind of start weaving through enemy territory and hope to last that way forever. Even Sherman, when he marched to the sea, got to that part in Savannah and established a federal outpost there from which then they could spread forward. So wherever you have breakthrough, you have to take a stand then, and from that stand, then breakthrough occurs again. So... We, as a saints network, and I speak to this church, and I speak to, you know, all of the saints family that has taken a stand for the Lord and for that, that identity of the uncommon salvation, the, that going beyond and being willing to serve the holiness of God. We understand this concept because in so many dynamics, we've stood in the gap. You know, we've stood in the gap in the place that God has planted us when it would have been so much easier to just skedaddle and to be like a leaf in the wind, whichever, wherever we want to go. You, you've got to take a stand. God loves that. He stands with us when we take a stand for him. And we've taken a stand in our place. We've taken a stand for the identity of the saints. We've taken a stand on behalf of what our Father's will is as an intercessor. We've taken a stand uh, for, for the principle and the concept of being sons. All of those things are 
are not givens in any of the church. I mean, you talk about sonship, and you ask somebody in a regular church, in a general church, what's sonship? And they'll tell you all kinds of tales. But not very, not, not very many of them will mean I'm actually maturing in the Lord, and I'm taking a stand, and I'm, a, I'm an intercessor for God, and I'm taking my place at the right hand of the throne. And you, you won't really hear any of that. You hear a lot of mishmash. And I understand that because I came out from that, and I know the jargon. I know the way that you can talk about things without really, without really taking any of them seriously or, or really taking any of them in the, same, um, in the same defining as what God considers them to be. And so um, you've stood. You've, you've stood. And you've believed that what God prophesied of breakthrough is coming, and that's happened in so many different ways, but it's going to happen in a, in a bigger way than we've, we've seen. We've stood in the gap for a long time on behalf of the next great visitation of the Spirit of God, <clears throat> and it's not just going to happen in one location where they have revival meetings. It's going to be something that is going to touch on many different continents, many different locations, and there's never been, as the waters cover the sea, there's never been anything like what we've been standing in the gap waiting on God to do. And you say, why does God need to do that? Or some would say, well, if God's going to do it anyway, why, why do we need to do anything? Well, the, the point is, is that God always looks for a partnership. He always looks for an intercessor. He always looks for someone that will stand with him. You know, that's his heart. And so he said, this is what I'm going to do, but I'm going to need partners to stand with me and to agree. See, so the Peretz Peretz is built in to the economy of God's relating with us. It's relationship language. And you know, we do this. He said, well, I don't understand that. You do this in life. You do this in life. You know, you, you, you find somebody, they begin a family, and they say, okay, well, we're going we're gonna to establish ourselves here, and we're going to be faithful, and we're going to believe God's going to bless. And then God expands that in one way or another. Usually that's the way it is. Now, I know that there are anomalies where that doesn't happen, but you, you want something bigger. You want something broader. You want to, uh, we do that in education. You know, I'm going to be faithful here, and hopefully I'm not going to flunk. Uh, I'm going to be faithful. And then the next thing is I'm going to expand into this. Or we, we learn and we study artistically, and we say, okay, now I've done this, and I've got prophetic agenda here. I'm going to expand here. We understand that principle of Peretz and Peretz. It's, it's part of life, but it, at the heart, it's what God does in partnership with his sons. And so several years ago, God said, I want you on the last Sunday of the month to pray on, in alignment with Peretz. What does God ask you to do? Where, where are you standing? What is the gap? What are your responsibilities? 
you come before him and you thank him for those responsibilities that he's given. You thank him for the way he's provided, but you look forward to the supply of what is needed. And then the next week, which is this first Sunday, we speak of parats and breakthrough. Where's God wanting to address his, his advance? How does he want to, to see new horizons, new apostolic horizons captured? And we, we partner with God in that. It's something that's very important. It's not just a, it's not a gimmick. It's praying with God in the economy of his relationship. It's, it's praying with him systematically on behalf of what our, uh, what our assignment is with him, what our identity is with him. And it's important that we do that because if you don't, you forget that. See, the church can veer off. And I'm not talking about heresy here. The church can veer off into so many different things. They can get one idea and they think, okay, we're going to go out and we're going to do this. Yay, yay, woo-woo, let's go do this. And then they, they preach about how great it is and how terrible it is that nobody else is doing that. But to keep at heart that we need to be sons, no matter what our agendas are, no matter what our assignments is, that, that can be lost. And so it's important that we, um, that we remind ourselves continually that we, that we continue to meditate upon what God, what is important to God. And this Peretz and Peratz is, is vital. I sought for someone to stand in the gap and make in the hedge. I'm searching for someone with a perfect heart who will stand with me. This is God talking. What's he looking for? He's looking for a Peretz individual. He's not looking for a leaf in the wind. Oh, your, your, your spirit's blowing there. Oh, I want to get in on that. God doesn't search for that. The leaves find the wind. But it's when, when that, when that uh, seed of that tree germinates and the ground begins to grow, then God's really, really going to come into alignment with you. The leaves in the wind are always going to happen. And I don't want to just be a leaf in the wind. I want to be a tree of righteousness. How about you? That's what our calling is. And God searches for that. And that's Peretz and that's Barat. So on this day, giving that it's a holiday, uh, I knew that we weren't going to be having prayer class. And I thought, well, you know, I'll come and a few others will come to pray. But I know it's a holiday and I'm not trying to guilt anybody. I just know that's the way it is. Uh, without any accusation or malice, I just know that's the way it is. And so last night before I went to bed, I started to feel really challenged by it because I thought this Peratz is a big deal right now because of where we are as a Saints Network, because of what's going on with uh, the seminar coming because of, you know, right after the seminar, you've got, you've got all kinds of expansion. You've got three major campaigns coming in international uh, venues back to back to back. But that's just 
what we know we have to do. Other openings are coming, and we need to be partnering with God in the parats. We need to begin to really pray and prosuke these types of things that God is wanting to do. And so I thought, Lord, uh, I'll, I'll speak on parats tomorrow, even though I spent the majority of my study yesterday studying about variations on healing in the, in the New Testament. I found some really interesting things. I found something that I was really, I, know, I didn't really even know it was happening. Uh, I'll just mention this, and then we'll get back to, to what we need to do with the remainder of this morning. Um, you know, there, in the New Testament, there are three main depictions of sickness, and they, they just are. One is asthenia, which we've studied about, which is form without function. The other is, is the, the word that's used most often, it's nosos, and that's just any kind of sickness that, in the day, in the Greeks, they, they thought somehow the, 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 the air permeated you and you contracted something. And um, so that was nosos. And the other one was malachia. And that's simply um, something that's been worn out or something that's lost its vigor. It's not that it's a form of that function. It's functioning. It's just doing it at a really, really kind of a dishraggy kind of a state. And those are the three things that Jesus gave authority over. And, and what I didn't realize was how radioactive the word malachia is because it's also used to describe in some ways um, softness and uh, some preachers use it to speak about homosexuality. And so there are so many websites out there uh, that speak just about that topic. And they argue about it. And they, they say, oh, the Apostle Paul is such a mean old so-and-so because he said this. And, you know, the church wrongfully uses this. And you know what? I kind of have to agree that malachia is just an illness. It's a sickness. It's kind of like, you know, when my father died, almost he was almost 90, his heart just gave way. And um, in the autopsy, they said that his heart just wore out. It was, in fact, the, the one doctor said it was like a, a, a wet rag. So uh, all these years of hard work, I don't know how that happened. I don't know. But it was functioning, but it just kind of lost its vitality. That can happen in some places. And that's what Malachia is. Now, it was used to describe some, Jesus mentioned, those that lived in king's palaces who wore soft raiment. And it, it was, in, in that regard, something that was used to people who just laid around. They laid around on the dole of the king, you know, for whatever reason that was for. And... Um, uh, you know, and in, and in Jesus even said, why did you come out here to see John the Baptist? What did you come out to see? Did you come out to see somebody in soft raiment, which was really kind of just an entertainment? Somebody that would come out and hear somebody else preach a fiery sermon, but yet you aren't going to do anything about it. And that's what Jesus was talking about there. But really, it's, it's something that we need to become schooled in as far as as God continues to release the exousia 
for bringing vitality and health into bodies. Those three concepts of healing we need to recognize. And then, of course, interjected there are unclean, in, unclean spirits. But that's another topic. Uh, but I, I just didn't realize what a hot, hot button radioactive topic that is. And I'm thinking, if you, if you just looked up that term, melakia, it comes from malakos, it, it, you'll find all kinds of rhetoric, all kinds of vitriol being shot back and forth. And I'm thinking, in the midst of all of this, the key thing that Jesus gave us exousia over this kind of a condition that can come into somebody's body is lost. It's not even a topic. And, and I think that's what's happening right now in so many ways. Mark referenced this earlier. You know, the, the church argues, and in fact, they go over into heresy. I mean, just absolute heresy. And they argue about the Bible, which I can't even believe that, that argument's there. And they argue all these other different things at, at a time when God's Spirit is mobilizing to release the greatest visitation of His Spirit that's ever been known on this earth, greater, greater than Pentecost. And think about that. Didn't Jesus say, greater works will you do because I go to my Father? And we are seeing to the ends of the earth they didn't have the ends of the earth in, in the New Testament. My goodness, so many of them thought the earth was flat. They didn't even know there was such a thing as Australia or, or Argentina. or, or you know, They didn't know that. But we, we are privileged in this day to see that possibility and that vitality. And I just think it's interesting that at a time in the economy of God, when his spirit is getting ready to move in a, in a phenomenal way, all of this nonsense is occupying the, the airwaves. And the whole point is being missed, which makes it very synonymous with what Jesus said about narrow is the way. Few find it. And... Uh, this is what, uh, that eye of the needle is what God is, is promising for us. Now, so last night I, I go to bed and I was thinking, okay, I'll speak about parats. And, and then I had this extended dream. And it was so amazing. It, it wasn't filled with all kinds of technicolor. What it was, I was standing on the earth and I was looking at the sky and the sky was totally black and it appeared that something was cutting through that blackness from the other side with almost like a, a blowtorch and you could see it just just it burning away a seam and and I I was recognizing and at the time I was going through scripture I was thinking about the rend of heavens and how that is that word from which we, we gain the, the, the partridge, we, we gain that calling out, taking possession, taking responsibility for a nest that's not ours, and we are, we're doing that, and then we're calling to God, God, come now, this thing that we've waited on you, that belongs to you, 
Now you come and take possession. And that's the rend to heavens. It's not just if we shout long enough and play enough great chords that, and blow the shofar loud enough that it'll split the heavens open. No, it's a partnership with God. And then I thought, I thought of a number of other things, but I could see this, this, this long, just deliberately going, glowing, burning. And then there, every now and then there'd be a drop of gold fire come down out of that seam. And I, I heard a voice stand to the left of me stating that along this line, there will be mighty visitations of the Spirit of God. And along this line, there will be, there will be great outpourings and there will be people who embrace those outpourings. And as they embrace them on behalf of the Lord, there will be other, there will be other breakthroughs. And, and I saw this over. It just seemed like it went on forever. And I was just standing there watching it. And I, I knew, Lord, this is you breaking through. This is you in the parats. This is you coming in, in this visitation, uh, it's piercing the darkness. It's tearing it. It's rending it. And it's by your fire. It's by your judgment. And so I, I woke up, and uh, I guess it was earlier than normal on Sunday. And this is neither here nor there, but I know it was about 4.15, and I started to look at passages of Scripture. And the one that's so powerfully stood out was this love letter from God to his people in Isaiah 54. And it says, Sing, O barren, thou that didst not bear. Break forth into singing and cry aloud, thou that didst not travail with child. For more are the children of the desolate than the children of the married wife, says the Lord. Enlarge the place of thy tent. And let them stretch forth the curtains of your, inhabitation, your habitations. Spare not, lengthen the cords, strengthen thy stakes. For thou shalt break forth, there's parats, on the right and on the left. And thy seed shall inherit the Gentiles and make the desolate cities to be inhabited. Fear not, for thou shalt not be ashamed. Neither be thou confounded, for thou shalt not be put to shame. For thou shalt forget the shame of thy youth, and shalt not remember the reproach of thy widowhood any longer. For thy maker is thine husband, the Lord of hosts is his name, and thy Redeemer, the Holy One of Israel, the God of the whole earth, shall he be called. This is a rhema word for us. And I, I see this and I think, you know, what, what have we really been believing God for? We've been believing for so many things, but primarily over the past couple of years, we've been believing for breakthroughs in the nations. And that's been happening. I mean, that's not some pie in the sky. That's been happening. What does God promise here? What is our inheritance? What is what is our what is what our seed? What is the seed going to inherit? Uh, Fort Knox, um, a mountain of silver, 
Well, it'd be nice. But it says the Gentiles and the desolate cities. This is what God is giving us. He's giving us continents now. That's not pie in the sky. That's continents. Every time I talk with our brothers in Brazil, there are new cities. There are new groups of pastors uh, spreading across Brazil that are wanting this message. And I'm, I'm just astounded by the ravenous hunger that God has put in, in the hearts of these dear ones. For people that we don't even know who want to take hold of the hem of the garment and be called by the name that God has given to this sweet people known as the saints. And, but, but it's happening in more places than that. We, we've gotten fresh reports in, in, uh, in Benin and in Togo of the way God is just moving magnificently. And, but, but those are just a couple of places. There are so many. We are inheriting. That's our inheritance for the Lord to bring sons and daughters into the kingdom. You know, I know you've got to evangelize. I know you've got to reach the lost. I recognize that. We've got to have babies being born. But from day one, God has said that our mission is to be an apostolic voice into the church. It seems I remember that from almost day one. God was very clear about that. To stir up Pentecost, to stir up with more than just a visitation or a quiver or a goosebump, to stir it up with identity and um, the calling of sonship and the intercessory power of diverse tongues and the vitality of interpreting what God is saying from his throne through his word. And that mission has not changed. It's not abated. In fact, if anything, it's growing in momentum because of what God has prophesied. The breakthrough is at the head. The breaker is at the head. The parats of the Father is with us. And so this passage is such a, a wonderful thing for us. And um, I believe that a rhema for us as well for today. So as I said, we're not, we're not going to have, because again, because of the holiday, God didn't say, you ask the people to come and really make them feel whatever to get here. Um, I, I, I know that there, there are ways that, that God, God does things that are different. And so what we're going to do is we're going to, it's just 12.15, we're going to have our Parat's prayer time now. And we're going to embrace the vitality of what God is wanting to do. This, I know we're having first Saturday this coming Saturday. Don't forget about that. You'll be getting a reminder of it. But we need to align ourselves uh, in prayer on behalf of what God is wanting to accomplish in the remainder of this year of grace. Great things are happening in the spirit realm. God is moving. God is aligning himself 
for this visitation. The fire of his heart is already now burning through the darkness. And this is coming. And we, we need to avail our voices to our Heavenly Father as sons to say, even so, come. Even so, let your breakthrough come. And may it touch this world in a way that, that you have ordained for it to be in this hour. And, and I, I, I just believe so strongly. And maybe it's not just, maybe it's not a holiday thing. God loves to do things differently. Maybe, maybe, it's, maybe, maybe this is a well-placed thing because we are right now in real time aligning with one of our, one of our oh, I, I don't want to say anything because that if I say something really stupendously nice, then that leaves everybody else out. But it's great to have the sparrows and that powerful church there who are just such close brothers and sisters with us standing in agreement with this. And, um, and I know that there are other churches. I know in just a little while, Teresa and the precious folks in Tucson are, are going to be aligning themselves in this way. And if we had waited till tonight to do this, that word would not have gotten out. And there's something that God needs and wants at this moment that we need to stand in alignment with in regard to the breakthrough. So what I'm going to ask is if you could, this is going to be our ending. We're going to go into prayer time. And uh, I don't know how long it's been on a Sunday morning since we've done this. I think this is a real divine curveball. It's going to catch the enemy off guard. But that's not, our, that's, not our, that's not our objective. It's to honor and obey the Lord. Uh, I'm going to ask you to find a place to pray and pray in the Spirit and believe God for those words of direction, those, uh, that, that if in any way we can align our heart to, to, to intercede uh, on behalf of what God's heart is desperately aligning itself to do in this season. What a blessing that is. So let's believe for the breakthrough that God has ordained in this season. And we are so close to this incredible visitation. It's beyond anything that our minds or our dreams or our hearts have seen. But God is going to do it. But he's looking for an intercessor. And that's us. So um, stay as long as you want. Uh, I bless you on this holiday weekend for whatever it is that you got, you've got going on later today and tomorrow. I bless you. I speak rest and strength and commune with the Father. But for right now, let's find a, let's find a place to pray and let's believe for, uh, for his breakthrough. Amen? Amen. God bless you. Let's do it.